0: Today, we've got two of the world's foremost experts on selling on the one Amazon marketplace that you probably aren't selling in, but you need to be. Amazon Japan, where sellers are making more profit than all their other Amazon marketplaces. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. (laughs) We know that getting to page one on keyword search results is one of the most important goals that an Amazon seller might have. So track your progress on the way to page one and even get historical keyword ranking information and even see sponsored ad rank placement with Keyword Tracker by Helium 10. For more information, go to h10.me forward slash keyword tracker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And it's the middle of the night, almost the middle of the night here, so I'm in my normal uh, attire of what I wear every night here in my house, but the only people that I can go ahead and keep this on and not have to change back to work clothes when I do something at, at this hour of the day uh, is the the two guests here because they are actually in Japan right now? So we are uh, makes me feel right at home here with <laughs> what I'm wearing. We have back on the show uh, Nick and Gary. Welcome back, guys!
1: Thank you. It's great to be back. And and for those of you guys that are listening, I can see Bradley. He has like a black and white sumo themed what they call yukata or like a robe, but he wears it very well. I love the the Japanese motif you got going on. man. It's great to see you.
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you for that. Great. Likewise, uh, I haven't seen uh, Nick in a year, but uh, Gary, you know, we, we, we saw each other. We had some nice uh, tonkatsu right there in Ginza um, a while back, uh, a few months ago, my, my favorite place to to eat over there. So it was nice to, to see you there. But you know, for those who want to get the, you know, full backstory, Go back, guys, to episode 426 uh, was the first time Gary was on. Nick's been on before, uh, before then as well. But 426 was from last year, and we had a lot of uh, updates on what's going on in Amazon Japan. And since then, there, there's been new things, so I wanted to you know, invite you guys back. But I'm not saying this is the reason, but we were talking earlier about how my LA Dodgers was able to sign Otani and Yamamoto, my two favorite baseball players... Uh, both Japanese, but I'm looking on the seven figure seller, Japan mastermind website at last year's event. And let me just show everybody this. All right. I'm not saying that the, the Dodgers have me to thank, but, but last year at this event, I wore my helium 10 Dodgers themed uh, Jersey. And, and you can see me here in the, in this, in this picture, I'm explaining to somebody. I'm like, think about it, man. Otani's going to come to the Dodge. He's like, Oh, I'm not exactly sure. But I tell him, I was telling him, That the Dodgers are coming, but we're going to talk about your new event uh, this year for sure. I just wanted to call that out though, you know, Dodgers, you know, let me give you my address. My check should be in the mail. You have me to think I I set the ground. uh, I set the, uh, uh, set the standard there last year early. Anyways, um, let's start with, uh, let's start with Nick. How many years now total have you been Japan? I know Gary's newer, but, but how many years uh, do you have under your belt I can't even count how
2: many years now, but I came in nineteen ninety five. So whatever it is from then, nineteen
0: ninety five. Yes, that's that's quite a quite a while, right? After a few years, just after I moved, uh, I moved out. Now, you know, you've been there so long. You know, you know, the, the, just like you just said, you know, the years kind of just you know bleed together. But if we were just to start off with one of the biggest changes in in the e commerce landscape in Japan in the last year, you know what? would it be, you know, this is maybe like the first of kind of full year after COVID and dust is kind of settled, you know, in America, at least, you know, there's a lot of the boom that was happening to e-commerce. I wouldn't say went crashing down, you know, steep decline to pre-COVID time, something similar in Japan or, or how do you view the landscape over there?
2: Um, yeah. Well, I mean, e-commerce is, 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 is very, very strong here. It still is very, very strong. Japan, unlike a lot of other countries, has always traditionally had very strong brick and mortar retail. People do like going to stores. Um, but I mean, Japan never had like a full on lockdown. So most of the stores were open for most of the time. There were small periods where they weren't open. But because we also do retail, we actually do, do uh, distribution to stores, we've seen that they are really starting to cut back. So there has been a real shift to online And I've noticed certainly in the last year, um, I hope no one from Rakuten is hearing this, but I I think they're starting to feel a little bit of pain. Um, They've Mm -hmm. made a few adjustments and I think there is definitely more of a swing towards Amazon over Rakuten. They are pretty much half and half for their section of the market. No, of of the section of the market. So they've both got about 20%.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I I thought Rakuten was like still way ahead, but that's, no, uh, that's I interesting, think you know, I
2: think Amazon has now overtaken Rakuten. It's kind of hard to kind of compare apples to apples, but sure. it does look like um, Amazon has overtaken Rakuten, and Rakuten have started to do some strange things, cut back on their points program, which has always been their their main strategy. That it was their strongest point. The fact that you can collect points, Japanese people get Rakuten points in their lives doing everything. I and mean, even my company has a Rakuten bank account. People have Rakuten; they have Rakuten for everything, for travel, for insurance, for you know, for everything. And it's, it's to get points. But Rakuten started to kind of cut back on those points. I, I'm not entirely sure why, but I think that is going to that is going to encourage more people to move over. So that's kind of something that I'm seeing personally. Although Rakuten is still a very, very good marketplace here.
0: All right. Interesting. Now, going back to Gary, let's take a step back from e-commerce. You know, this is only, what is it, second, third year in Japan for you?
1: Third year in Japan. Uh, one year in Tokyo, Third year in Japan. Yeah, two, two and a half or two years in Okinawa.
0: How has your family settled in? You know, now uh, Japanese speaking, uh, culture, food. Uh, is it pretty, is it home now or, or still feels a little bit foreign?
1: Well, I wish my Japanese was better. I mean, my son is five. He's in like pre kindergarten. I'm pretty sure his Japanese is going to surpass mine very soon. And, um, but yeah, we're acclimating very well. And uh, we actually just got back from a trip from Hokkaido, which is in the north. Um, Really nice skiing. Um, You know, my wife had like their, like, you know, they have this drift ice area in the northern part of Hokkaido like literally the ocean is like frozen and my wife had that on her bucket list for many years and we were able to do that so um, yeah very very fortunate to be here and um, yeah I'm very happy. That's
0: awesome. Yeah I used to live right south of there in Aomori for about yeah. a year and a half not quite as cold as, as Hokkaido the the oceans didn't get frozen <laughs> over there but yeah. it, it, was, it was cold. I, I didn't mind that. I, I, um, I went back last year yeah I went back to Aomori for the first time and like ooh 20 years no 25 years and so it was nice to nice to go out there my, my son actually went to Hokkaido my son took his very first trip without his parents uh just with friends and, and he actually went to Hokkaido be uh before me now um what about what about e-commerce for you like what have you noticed on your side that ha- that has changed uh maybe specifically more to Amazon Japan for for your network of of sellers uh, there uh in the community
1: Selling on Amazon, Amazon is still very strong. You know, we can get deliveries very quickly. You know, for example, when we went up to Hokkaido, rather than buying like a, a sled and like lugging it from Tokyo to Hokkaido, we just ordered off Amazon and shipped it to the hotel. And you know, we we're my son was thrilled; he was ready to go. Right, and so Amazon has that coverage. Um, but one of the biggest changes for e-commerce sellers, foreign sellers especially, importing into Japan, is there was a new import law change October of 2023. So previously you could use what they call a importer of record or IOR. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, a, you're not in Japan. If let's say you're a US seller with the LLC previously, you could use an IOR, you know, a company that's um, importer of record to represent you to import their products. But now um, they changed the law because it seems the, the government is getting smarter. Uh, when it comes to all of these e-commerce sellers. So now you have to go through uh, ACP. Uh, I think that stands for Attorney of Customs uh, Process. I might be getting the verbiage mixed up, but basically it's a different scheme and you may have to pay more in the uh, the taxes because you will be billed on the um, the total selling cost. So that that's hmm. the Amazon cost. So that's one of the... The, the big changes that we're seeing so far.
0: So if somebody was already selling Japan, they don't need to convert to that. They can keep going with their importer of record or do they need, now they needed, you know, even if they already have tenure there, they got to switch to this new new thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so it's actually import-based. So it's the time that you import. So if you're importing after October 1st, in theory, you can't use IOR. I should probably stress the fact that this is all in theory. I can tell you that there are sellers who are still importing um, using Chinese freight forwarders who are getting the goods in, just totally fine. Um, But in theory, there is no more IOR. Um, And so you have to use this, as, as Gary was mentioning, ACP, which although it's not, so the tax and duty is based on the selling price, which doesn't mean it's not exactly on the selling price. You're allowed to remove the costs like Amazon fees and certain things. But the whole concept is that the who is the purchaser of the goods. So if you're, uh, if you're not a domestic company, if you're an international seller that don't have um, uh, a registered business in Japan, then the goods being sent to Japan, going to Amazon, going to the customer, the customer is the person purchasing the goods, so for tax and duty should be based on what they're paying. Mm -hmm. as opposed to, for example, for my company, we're based in Japan. So we actually do purchase the goods. We can show a paper trail back to the um, supplier. We are the purchaser, so we only pay tax and duty Mm. on what we buy it for. And then we sell it on Amazon. So it's just the way that the import office is just customs office is kind of interpreting. It's all a bit gray, to be honest, but that's kind of how they're interpreting it. The actual final buyer online is the kind of original purchaser of the goods. Therefore, tax and duty should be based off whatever they are paying. And then at what, so is the customer paying for that then? No, so the customer isn't paying it, So, but but that, but okay. that but, but that is what they are using. So, so it's actually the ACP, or so you have to pay. Um, okay, so, that makes so, sense. So for your company pays, so the customer isn't paying that, but that's what they're basing it off, and that's their reasoning for it. They are essentially, they're being almost regarded as the importer, which is obviously just ridiculous. Yeah, to be honest.
0: But it's not something like in Europe where where VAT is applied to what the customer's paying at, at the time of of purchase. And then the, I believe that you know, I don't even sell in Europe. So I, don't know. <laughs> then I believe the seller has to remit that or Amazon keeps it, but it's like that price has to include that. And, and, and so it's kind of like a, a surcharge, but how much are we talking about? Like for somebody like me, I'm selling, let's say I am selling Japan and I'm importing like, are, 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 my, my duties and all these taxes, is it comparable to, you know, what I'm doing by importing from China to us and, and what I have to pay for, for customs? Um, or is it more, is it less? Well, it kind of depends on a,
2: on a few different things. Obviously it depends on the categories and exactly what the products are. You have to remember. So in, in Japan, the consumption tax is is a lot lower than, for example, Europe. You mentioned Europe, so the tax is ten percent uh, in Japan, or it's eight percent if it's if it's um, if it's, for example, food or drink. So, but because they base it on the price that you're selling, as opposed to the price that you are actually purchasing the goods for, at that point it will be a bit higher. But there are, as I say, there are lots of ways actually around this. Um, And I don't know if Gary's going to mention, there are a lot of countries that have agreements where you don't actually have to pay duty at all, for example. Um, But it does kind of make things smoother and easier if it's a Japanese business doing the import as opposed to an international business. And one of the main ways around it is that you get a company in Japan to do the import for you. And that kind of covers all of the problems. So all the large kind of import companies, that's what they're doing now. They're essentially importing themselves, paying the supplier, and then... Um, you only pay the tax and duty on basically the cost of goods. So it all becomes a lot okay. cheaper. So you kind of have like a bit of a middleman in there.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Now, now this question is for either of you. So at what point am I having to have my ducks in a row for this? Like, am I do I need that already when I apply to sell in Japan? You know, I, I just go into my US or if I'm a European seller, I go into my, my European seller central and apply to sell in Japan. Are they already asking me for this, you know, ACP, preview, the artist formerly known as IOR, or is that just something I need to take care of by the time
2: something you I have need my to, first shipment? It, it's something you need to take care of yourself. Amazon is not involved in this whatsoever. This is completely... No, but impossible. are they
0: asking me for it, for, no, for like no. proof that I have that no, just no, no, to no. apply to no, account?
2: No, no, Okay. No. So, ba- so basically when, when you want to send goods to Japan, you just speak to your freight forwarder, whoever you use, and the freight forwarder will give you all the information and sort it out for you. It's not something that you really need to do yourself the freight forwarder oh, will will no. do that. So the freight forwarder is traditionally done IOR. Uh, a lot of the Chinese freight forwarders as I said are still doing it. Um, and they seem to be getting the goods in quite fine, but d- there's something that you that you will do through your freight forwarder. So whoever you're using to ship the goods, that so it's not something you specifically need to kind of go out and do yourself in right. most in, yeah. in, in circumstances.
0: Yeah. All right, makes sense. That's good. Like like I thought it was something I had to like, you know, find and or maybe, you know, hire a, a company to handle it, but that's good to know that. You're know, like like me, for example, when I import from uh from China to US, I actually don't worry about anything. Yes, there are obviously customs. Yes, there there's some kind of certification, but actually my sourcing agent who who's also my my freight forwarder, she handles all that for me. I'm like, "All right, you know, apply, you know, tell me what you need for me, but but you take care of everything." That's nice to know that there's something like that where Uh, you know, I don't have to go searching in the Japanese yellow pages, uh, for 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 people on my own. So that's good to know.
2: Yeah, I mean, if if it's if it's all set up, you don't. It's there isn't any extra work that needs to be done by you.
0: Now, Gary, you know, like speaking, you know, we're talking about freight forwarding. You had mentioned something interesting, you know, in 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 recent months. Obviously, many sellers in in Europe were affected, and actually worldwide about you know what was going on with the. the pirates of the Caribbean there in the uh, Suez canal, like, you know, the Red Sea, the Red Sea, you know, like that, that affected shipping prices worldwide because, you know, like ships couldn't go there, you know, they didn't want to get shot down and, uh, and things. And then obviously, you know, there are shipping delays and that increases prices. You know, people felt it here in the States, people felt it in Europe. Uh, but you were saying kind of in Japan, it was whatever, right. Cause it's so, so close.
1: Yeah, I mean the the Suez Canal crisis it's really impacting ocean freight all over the world like going from like 2000 something dollars a container to you know over 5000 and even more right even if you're not bypassing through Suez Canal because it has a ripple effect because it's taking longer for the ships to go around like south of Africa. So it adds like two additional weeks. And most people don't realize you have to factor in for the containers as well because the containers are used. So you have to have more empty containers to accommodate that. But if you look at the map, you know, Japan is China's neighbor, right? So, I mean, a container from China to Japan can arrive in you know, like a week, So it's really fast. I mean, compared to China, USA, you know, 30, 45 days or even more, right? So you can definitely save a lot of time shipping if you're selling in Amazon, Japan, shipping from China. And also you can save a lot of money as well because distance wise, it's very close. I mean, literally, I mean, they're neighbors, right? So you will save a lot of money as well. And then in terms of sellers, you know, we were talking with, um, you know, Brandon Young, um, last year, and that was kind of like a light bulb moment for him because if you can reduce the lead time, you know, from when the factory ships out the goods until you land it, you know, from you don't have to keep so much inventory, right? So rather than buying up like three, four months of inventory to stay in stock, you could cut that to, let's say, a month or two months inventory so that for the seller that frees up your cash flow as well. If you were to sell in Japan from China, to Japan, given the, the shorter lead times, so that's why we feel like there's, at least, you know, this one big X factor for sellers, you know, it would be an advantage to sell into Japan if you're sourcing from China. And actually, not only China, because, you know, as Nick had previously touched upon just a few minutes ago, if you're sourcing from other countries in Asia, there's actually three trade agreements between India and Japan, Vietnam and Japan, and Thailand and Japan. So it depends on your exact product, but your product could come in if it's made in India, if you're exporting to Japan, you could land duty free, right? I mean, it could wow. be zero. So there's, and obviously there's no trade war going on between you know yeah. China. Japan, so there's no Trump tariffs, and you could mm-hmm. significantly mm-hmm. reduce your landing cost. And obviously, that would help every seller's you know profit margins, right? If you're able to do that, so you know there's a lot of these type of logistical advantages that Japan has that not a lot of sellers are aware of. And you know that would it could I mean you could land your product a lot cheaper, a lot faster. You know, free up your cash flow selling in Japan compared to other countries. So we feel like that's one big advantage.
0: Yeah, I really need to get off my butt and 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 do it. You know, like I've been saying, I, I would, but uh, I just been so busy at, at Helium Ten that I haven't been able to expand any of my Amazon business. Uh, almost like this week, I'm finally launching like three products for the first time in probably a year and a half. But um, but yeah, I, I need to I need to get. Uh, Can get we do over a project in in X Japan? Japan? We should do that. Yeah, we should, <laughs> we should, do, should a pro- do it, man. Project here first. Yeah, Project Ekusa will will be doing all right. Um I I like it. We'll we'll do it anime with we'll, we'll, uh, Japanese animation. We'll get Wit Studios to uh <laughs> to do it for us. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Japan and and Japan, so we'll we'll get back to the the Amazon strategies. But let's talk a little bit about the um the seven figure seller Japan Mastermind I attended last year. I'm probably going to attend this year. Like like um I'm not going like in an official capacity. I think uh, I li- I like it so much. I think I'm going to pay my own way. Uh, you know because we we have a certain budget uh for events at Helium 10 and then. You know, usually they they rotate things or right? one year we'll do, you know, like last year we did uh, Prague, a uh, European one this year, we're not doing um that one. And then next year we might do it again or something. But uh, this one wasn't on the list for our travel budget, but, you know, I, I'm a points hacker. So like, I, I, I'm i sure I could you know probably pay for a, a flight myself or make it not so much. And it's going to be in a place that I have, you know, I've been in Japan 40 times, lived in Japan, have never, ever been and that's Okinawa. So, so Gary, was it your decision to do it Okinawa since you had lived there before? Or, or how did you decide that you were, you're going to do this event in Okinawa?
1: Yeah, well, Okinawa, I mean, for those that don't know, it's known as the Hawaii of Japan. So there's beautiful beaches. It's, you know, subtropical climate. And we were able to secure a fantastic resort hotel, the Hilton in Okinawa. So literally, it's on the beach. Um, I wanted to do it in Okinawa. And I was talking with with Nick as well, because, um, it's, it's Japan, but it's a nice change of pace as well. Right. So it's kind of like the Hawaii of Japan and, um, yeah. And then logistically there's, um, you know, the airport, you can arrive there pretty conveniently at Naha airport. And, um, basically everyone's going to be there at at the same place. You know, we have eight figure sellers, seven figure Japan sellers. We have like all these different experts, you know, every step of the way right, from compliance yeah. to um, you know, shipping and localization, et cetera. But yeah, I, and I kind of wanted to, to give back to Okinawa as well because during COVID, I mean, some of you guys know my, my family story. We weren't able to – because we were living in Shanghai before. And you know, I'm American, and I couldn't go back to Shanghai even though my wife is Chinese. I lived there 11 years. I paid all my taxes. I couldn't go back because they closed the border and my visa had expired. But Okinawa, you know, they allowed us to stay, on a temporary tourist visa for two and a half years so okinawa also is like the poorest prefecture in japan and they really suffered a lot during covid so i'm just happy that you know people can come visit and um, that's one of the reasons why i wanted to do in okinawa to kind of get back as well
0: all right yeah i'm a a history buff i'm a travel buff so all right guys you heard it here first like i I, i'm committing that I'm, i'm gonna go you know uh so April 8th to 10th, if you guys want to join, like I have a, a forwarding website here that make it easier. Remember, just go to h10.me forward slash Japan, and that'll bring you to uh, sign up and, and there'll be, you know, a lot of uh, great speakers talking about uh, local, you know, selling in Japan strategies. And and while I was there in, in last year, you know, there was a couple interesting, um, Success stories. You know, I, I saw one. I, I forgot his name, but one influencer uh, who who uh, did, was doing seven figures in, in Japan. I forgot his name, but uh, uh, Nick, maybe you can give us some other success stories, maybe of either local Japanese sellers or maybe somebody from a foreign marketplace, foreign to Japan. You know, Europe or USA, getting started in Japan and and being successful. Uh, any stories you can relate?
2: So one of our clients. Um is an international brand. They're an American registered company, um, and they last year they 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 cleared seven figures, and we're we're definitely looking to do a lot more this year. Um, and that's in that's in two years. The sales currently are so they're actually doing very very seven well in figures America. in U.S. dollars. We're in talking dollars. seven in figures
0: US. in Japanese yen is not too much. but you're saying? you're Yeah, about no, like US, U.S. dollars, US, US, right? No, no, no. We're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's we're doing, impressive.
2: We're doing seven figures in yen a month now. So no, wow. yeah, they're doing very, very well in America. They sell in Europe and they sell in Canada, but the Japanese sales are now almost comparable to the to to, to the US sales, but the profit margins are a lot higher.
0: That was because, about to be my second question. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, because, you know, things like the PPC is a hell of a lot cheaper. The ACOS for the account is about, uh, I think it's about eight, 9% now, the TACOS... Is about three or four percent, and it's the kind of figures you can't really get in the US. So, you, so, you, so, in, so actually, in theory, you could sell a lot less in Japan and still, uh, still end up with the same kind of profit um, as you could in the US. Um, but obviously, if wow. you if if you're getting sales close to the US, you're probably going to have much much higher margins. Um, Japan really generally is cheaper. It's cheaper tax as well. Um, if if you are off the threshold to pay tax, but if you're under, if you're under ten million yen, which is probably about was that sixty seventy thousand US, if you're under that in sales, you don't have to pay consumption tax. There is no tax. So anybody like me selling in Europe, who gets absolutely <laughs> <laughs> lost by the the tax yep. authorities there you know paying 19 20 21 23% in some of the some of the regions in 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 Europe you 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 could be selling you know 50 60,000 US in Japan and not have to pay uh, any consumption tax whatsoever so there are definite advantages to selling in Japan
0: another advantage that i've seen is the kind of amazon seller culture is a little bit different so for example the, the chinese sellers and the foreign sellers there They're used to, you know, they're using a lot of Chinese tools. They're using helium 10, you know, to be able to, to do their keyword research. But one thing I noticed, you know, at least last year, the year before was that a lot of the Japanese based sellers, even some of the bigger ones, it's like not in their business culture to really use like tools, like, like they, they're not using helium 10, they're not using the Chinese tools. And so sometimes you can go in there and like, you might have these insights about keywords, you know, running Cerebro. Uh, you know, they they wouldn't have any idea what reverse asin means, and and you're you've got keywords that you can put in your listing that they might not even know because they're just maybe relying on PPC to 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 find their keywords. Is do you, is that still kind of like the case where you know to, you know tool usage is not widespread amongst the local Japanese selling community?
2: Yeah, definitely. I I think it, I think it comes from the fact that most of the sellers, most of the larger sellers, were originally on on Rakuten. And Rakuten, there aren't really as many kind of tools available, so they just they just haven't really kind of built up the systems, and kind of the processes to handle that kind of data. So no, I don't think they are using as much. Obviously, the Chinese sellers are, but the um, the local yeah. sellers don't think are anywhere near as much.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely what I've noticed. Now, now, Gary, back to you. You know, you you've probably heard a lot of excuses. You know, I just gave you an excuse that I don't have any time. You know, to do it. But what are some of the, like the myths or excuses that you hear about what people think? Maybe it's their just conception of how selling in Japan is or obstacles that really aren't there. What are some things that maybe you can debunk for those yeah. who might be timid to, to dip their feet into the, the Japanese waters over there?
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones is language because obviously Japanese language is very different. And, you know, I... I don't really speak Japanese and, you know, I figured out how to sell on Japan because you, you really, you don't need to actually know Japanese to sell in Japan I mean obviously it helps but the fact that number one Amazon seller central Japan is all in English so literally if you know how to sell in the US or Europe you instantly you can sell in Japan and number two in terms of the keyword research obviously we have tools like Helium 10 so sellers can get smart if they're already familiar with how to do reverse ASIN searches and you know all of that good stuff you can do the same thing in Japan and number three now we have tools like AI ChatGPT, and the translation feature I mean it's like my miles ahead of Google Translate, like, you know, what we're using just two years ago. So I'm able to use ChatGPT to really, you know, get smart and even, like, dissect some of the Japanese competitors' listings to extract keywords to, to better understand that. So I feel like, you know, that's one big, um, you know, myth about Japan. And I feel at the same time, you know, like all of these obstacles, you know, talking about culture, talking about language, um, you know, I, I kind of... You know, I like that that book. The obstacle is the way by Ryan Holiday. Like, I don't know if you guys read that book. It's kind of like a stoicism book. But like these obstacles, actually, if you look at it from the flip side, right? A lot of people are intimidated by Japan. But if the fact that you learn how to do this, I mean, if you want to come to our conference, we'll literally guide you through it. You can leave no stone unturned. These obstacles actually become your moat, right? They're like. A barrier against your competition that they're intimidated by it. So I feel, you know, for the certain seller that is motivated to do this, um, especially, I mean, this selling in Japan is really good for sellers that are already selling in the US or already selling in EU. They have SKUs, let's say with like 700 reviews, 1000 reviews. Why? Because you can actually carry over those reviews from Amazon US to Amazon Japan. So that way, when you launch on day one, you don't launch with zero reviews, you launch with like seven hundred reviews. And like the review mode, I mean the review, like the average review is a lot lower, like review score is a lot lower in Japan as well. So I mean, so sellers, I mean it Japan's the fourth biggest market, but it still seems like a lot of people are either too intimidated or you know, they they don't know about it. So I'm really trying to help sellers and you know, Nick Nick as well, right? We're trying to help sellers better, you know, take advantage of this opportunity. Even though it's twenty twenty four, you know, like like what Nick said before, you know, Japan is the niche, right? I mean, we're all talking about the riches are in the niches. I mean in Japan, like the best selling thick yoga mat, like I actually did like a, a comparison. Like in the US, the best selling thick yoga mat has four point six stars and it has seventy five thousand reviews. So it's way too saturated, right? But in Japan the best-selling thick yoga mat only had 3.9 stars and only 370 reviews, right? So you think about it. I mean, which one would you rather compete against, right? The the yoga mat with 4.6 stars, 75,000 reviews, or Japan, right? And if you're already selling the U.S., if you have 1,000 reviews, you can actually carry them over to Japan, and then you can be like, you know, the king, right, from day one. Um, So there's all of these... Advantages that sellers can have if they know how to do this to sell to Japan. Uh,
0: What else that we haven't talked about yet? um, Are you are people uh, going to be able to learn about at the uh, conference in in, uh, April?
1: I think something that's new that we talked about is Rakuten because everyone everyone knows Amazon, right? But Rakuten, like what Nick said, they're they're literally neck and neck with Amazon. So we're going to bring in a speaker to talk about how to sell on Rakuten and this way we can give the sellers, you know, a balanced perspective, right? Amazon and Rakuten. We didn't have this last year. So this way we want to give sellers more information because certain products may sell better on Amazon or on Rakuten. So this way you can have more perspective there. And then we're also talking about how to get into offline retail, in Japan as well. So we're going to have some content there as well. So, I mean, if you're a seller, if you're going to make the investment to import your products into Japan, it kind of makes sense to maximize the different options that you have, right? So beyond Amazon, Rakuten, getting into physical retail stores. And then, um, we're also going to talk about external marketing strategies. Um, there's social media and, you know, Nick is really good at this, like using, uh, Japan, social media platforms. Um, I think this is information. You're not, you're not going to get anywhere else. And, you know, we share like real examples from, um, real sellers, you know, what they're doing that you, you can, you can take away, you can, you can imitate. So, um, yeah, I think these are all great opportunities and also AI as well. I mean, AI is like super prevalent now. Um, you know, Japan is trying to like push AI a lot as well because, you know, with like the labor costs and, uh, you know, Japan has kind of like fallen behind compared to the rest of the world. Right. But they're looking to, to amplify AI. So we're trying to help sellers use AI to scale your business in Japan, even if you don't speak the language.
0: All right. So again, guys, if you didn't uh, write down that address, how you can uh, get more information on this conference, h10.me forward slash Japan. Um, Nick, maybe any last words about selling Japan that you think uh, foreign sellers uh, need to need to know about the market good or bad?
2: So I think one of the main things that people should really understand is that about half of the market in Amazon, Amazon Japan, uh, is made up of Chinese sellers. So although, you know, we have these kind of podcasts and Gary is explaining to people about the fact that Amazon Japan is a very good marketplace, a lot of people who sell in Europe or the US, they might think about it, they might consider it, the Chinese, they know, they know just how good it is because they know there is very little competition. There's very little branding and so they can ship products out to, to Japan and sell. They don't need to have very many reviews. If you are a brand that already has, sorry, if you are a seller who already has a brand and you've already got reviews on your products, all you need to do is list them in Japan. Global review syncing has been a thing for probably about three years now. You can start in Japan with, with, with more reviews than all the other sellers combined. You don't even need to have very many even if you've got 500 that might be more than all the all the people in the top 50 and so it's so much easier to launch in a marketplace where your main competition are chinese non-face brands they aren't even brands they aren't even brand registered whereas you are a brand you look good you've got the assets you've got the images you've got the videos and more importantly the most important thing you have the reviews you are starting with more reviews than anybody else. I mean, there isn't any other way to, any other better way to sell. You'll have cheaper conversions, you'll have cheaper PPC than everybody else. And I think that's probably the
0: main thing. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, if uh, you're convinced already, well, hurry up and sign up for selling in Japan and you could reach out to uh, Nick and Gary for for help from their network or attend in person the event and meet a lot of these, uh, these people who can help you in person while enjoying the Hawaii of, of, of Japan. So I look forward to seeing you guys in Okinawa in a um, month or so now, and it'll be uh, great to see you there and hope to see some listeners there as well. So look forward uh, to it.